Well, good morning. Hope your morning's off to a good start. You've had a good cup of coffee or you've got one with you. Another thing I hope you have with you is your Bible. And uh, I invite you to open with me to Colossians chapter 2. We got into Colossians chapter 2 yesterday uh, and um, talked about how Paul's desire was for them, who they've not really seen, uh, he's not seen in person, to, um, as a body of believers, his desire for them was that they would be encouraged, that their hearts would be knit together and that they would reach all the fullness of, uh, as he says here, um, all the fullness of assurance, of understanding, and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In other words, that they would find Christ as their all in all, that they would uh, not be taken by um, distractions in that, that they not have a blind eye to where their what their actual spiritual condition is. And we looked at the Laodicean uh, letter that uh, Jesus dictated uh, to those believers at a time about 30 years after this. Um, but even here, uh, the Holy Spirit desired for the Laodiceans to receive this letter, which presents, as we've said a number of times along the way, a lofty view of Christ, an elevated view of who he is. Uh, not only what he does, but who he is. And so it's a, it's a wonderfully glorious letter in that regard. And uh, the Holy Spirit's desire is that it would be something that the Colossians would glean from and that also we would see the, um, uh, the Laodiceans would glean from as well. And so on that same thought, his desires for them to have and know and experience and possess these things, to, to walk in these things. And now he begins to say, sort of lay out a little bit of a warning here. He'll come back to the idea of walking with Christ uh, very clearly, but here for a moment he begins to talk about uh, a warning, he begins to share a warning uh, about that which might distract from these things. And so uh, picking up in verse four, uh, and again, it's probably just a good idea maybe to read the first three verses and then go into verse uh, verses four and five, uh, where he says again, starting in verse one, for I want you to know what great struggle I have for you and for those in Laodicea and for all who have not seen me face to face, that their hearts may be encouraged, being knit together in love to reach all the riches of full assurance of understanding and the knowledge of God's mystery, which is Christ, in whom are hidden all the treasures of wisdom and knowledge. I say this in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. For though I am absent in body, yet I am with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. I say these things in order that no one would delude you with plausible arguments. Uh, there were those then, just as now, who would seek to um, bring persuasive sounding kinds of arguments but ultimately that lead like a bridge to nowhere. Uh, they are intended um, by those who purvey them to lead you in a different direction for whatever their reason might be. But they're things that, but they're, they're ideas and concepts and seeming truths that ultimately aren't connected with the truth. And ultimately because of that, they begin to draw us away from him in whom are found all the riches of wisdom and knowledge uh, in the person of Christ. Now, of course, when a false teaching comes, it generally has something to do either with the person of Christ or something about um, the truth of God in general. These deceptions always anchor uh, in these ideas. Now, um, uh, in particular, at that time, there were the Judaizers. There were those who sought to bring uh, believers under legalism, whether it was Jews who had come to believe in Jesus, Messianic Jews, who had come to receive uh, Jesus as their Messiah. Uh, Judaizers sought to bring them back under the law of Moses, even though great lengths are taken by Paul and throughout the New Testament, really, 
to to recognize uh, the sufficiency of God's grace in terms of our relationship with him. The law served its purpose in helping us to realize that we couldn't keep it and then ultimately to fall upon the grace of God in the, in the, in the finished work of Christ. Um, so the Judaizers sought to put people back under a legalistic bondage. But you also had groups like the Gnostics, which held two ideas that um, all material things were, there, were evil, and so therefore the idea that God would take on a body of flesh was an abhorrent idea, something that they did not believe, and so therefore they taught concepts and ideas that presented a different Jesus. So in the first case, we have sort of a different uh, view of what's true in terms of our relationship with God in general, in terms of legalism and grace. But in the second case, with the, with the, uh, the Gnostics, um, we have this idea that, um, that we have a different Jesus. And so these are just a couple of examples of different kinds of uh, uh, purported ideas that, that or groups that would bring ideas that in some ways likely had a certain ring of truth to them, but ultimately were not rooted in the truth as the scriptures give them to us, and certainly not in regard to the person of Christ and what he accomplished. Uh, today, we have groups like that as well. We have the Jehovah's Witnesses or the Mormons or various other uh, religious sects, not denominations. Denominations are somewhat different. Um, not that all denominations necessarily uh, 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 represent a proper view of the gospel in that, but a, a different denomination is just simply, um, uh, strictly speaking, a, a, a true Christian denomination is just an, uh, a group of believers that hold essentially the same essential truths of Christianity, but they have different peripheral ideas, things that aren't essential. Uh, maybe it's uh, approach to worship, or maybe it's they don't believe the gifts of the Holy Spirit are for today, or maybe they're lean more Calvinist or something like that. So it's you know they're not we're not talking about groups that are outside the pale of orthodoxy necessarily, but they hold some different views that um, that sort of create a, a reason for their existence. You know, there's different bodies of churches for different kinds of people and that kind of thing. But essentially we're talking, but but a, for a Christian group to be truly Christian, they would have to hold to the essential historic Christian uh, faith, uh, truths of the Christian faith. And so, um, but I say all that to say this, is that there has always been this need for this warning that Paul gives. Uh, his desire is that they would not be deluded or deceived or uh, led away by plausible or persuasive sounding arguments. It's persuasive in the negative sense. It's intended to lead you to think something else that isn't necessarily true. The idea of persuasion can be a good thing if you're persuading someone toward the truth. That's great. I mean, if you believe something and you start to share reasons why, you're you're speaking persuasively. Well, for people that have either uh, are, are just sincere but sincerely wrong um, and, and they teach, they're trying to persuade too, but they're leading into error. For those who are intentionally trying to um, you know, lead you away from, uh, from the truth and that kind of a thing because they have deceptive ideas in mind, that's obviously a much more blatant version of this. But whatever the motivation, whatever the, uh, you know, the, the instinct behind that desire to do that comes from, Ultimately, Paul is warning against it. And not just Paul, but the Holy Spirit is warning against it. Again, in order that no one may delude you with plausible arguments. Um, as it turns out, I'm actually listening to a teaching from a person right now. I won't name names because I haven't heard the whole teaching yet and all this. Um, but I will say this, I mean, right out of the gate as I was listening to it, um, and a friend of mine asked me to listen to it because he knows somebody who's kind of being pulled in a direction that this teaching is leading. And I will say, just right out of the uh, out of the gate, um, the associations that this teacher has are, are connected with a movement 
that was completely devoid of the Holy Spirit, but claiming to be the Holy Spirit and all this kind of thing, crazy kind of thing. Uh, and the teaching itself, uh, I'm noticing, is, is, is sprinkled with lots of very true ideas, ideas that you could make from the scripture. Uh, accurate ideas about the nature and character, well, the character at least of God in terms of his love and his fatherhood and such. Um, but at the same time, immediately there are ideas that are being put out there that, that kind of follow the standard fare of those who, uh, those who are false teachers. Um, and there's, there's a lot to be said about that. We'll, we'll deal specifically with that topic and maybe break down some of the characteristics of that in a later podcast. But for our time and purposes today, it's important that we recognize the need to warn against those things. Paul was not being unloving by pointing out the fact that there were false teachers out there that were going to be trying to persuade you away from the truth. He's being loving because if, if he didn't love you, he wouldn't warn you, right? That was the idea back then. And it's the same idea now. Any pastor or teacher that, uh, or any person, doesn't even have to be a pastor and teacher, but any person who recognizes uh, false teaching and tries to stand in the gap and, and keep you from going down that path, that's good. That's the Holy Spirit at work. Uh, even when it stands against ideas that purport to be by the Holy Spirit. There are a lot of movements and, and teachers and churches and ideas out there that that I would say blame this stuff on the Holy Spirit, but they're claiming the Holy Spirit's behind it. Things like the Toronto Blessing or Holy Laughter or um, some of the crazy uh, the health and wealth and prosperity teaching. Those are some of the more blatant examples of this. But even uh, people that might be well-meaning, like people like that are just false teachers. They're in it for the money. They're glad that they can take, they can deceive you into sending your checks in and all that kind of stuff. That kind of stuff is abhorrent uh, in every way. Um, but there are also groups that are very sincere that are 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 trying to basically uh, put forth an idea that they they actually truly believe. Um, you know, groups um, uh, the New Apostolic Reformation. This, this guy in particular I was listening to do, uh, today had talked about uh, putting together an apostolic school you know, you know, and that kind of thing. There are no apostles today like Peter and John and Matthew and that kind of thing. There are no apostles like that. Nobody has that authority today. Those were foundational to the building of the church, as Paul would say in Ephesians. But, um, but, but that kind of thing is put forth because it has an air of authoritarian, or, man, authoritarianism, although that's what it is, but an air of authority, speaking with a loud voice in great volume, but not having much volume of knowledge of the Scripture. Uh, and so those things are to be avoided. Well, Paul is warning about that very thing here. I'm really biting my tongue. We'll, we'll deal with that kind of stuff much more specifically uh, again in a later podcast. But for now, just recognize the need for the warning. It's important. Uh, and why? what is he protecting us from? He's protecting us from persuasive arguments that would lead us away from Christ being our all in all, from having the fullness of the wisdom and knowledge of God as given, as given to us in the person of Christ in that. Jesus really is the anchor for all things. It's not about a system of belief. It's not about a system of getting what I want through prayer. It's not about some uh, set of rules that if I follow, if I put in the right, if I do the right number of things, the right kinds of things come out of the whole process and that it's not like that that reduces god to sort of a vending machine sort of this servant of mine really where i just if i do the right things god has to honor it and do the right things for me god is sovereign you know god god is consistent he doesn't act sporadically all over the place but god is sovereign you know we don't you know a wrong view of god can leave you in in a completely bad place where you you think that you're sort of the one who gets what he wants because God has to do those, has to honor your prayers because you followed the formula. You know, eventually when you become disillusioned by that, 
Sadly for many, what happens is they become disillusioned with God because their whole understanding of him was blown when he didn't come through the way they expected him to because that's what they were taught to expect. Um, that's a terrible place to be. It's a very disheartening place to be. It's a discouraging and, again, a very disillusioning place to be. And so these warnings from Paul or, again, whether it's you're watching a podcast or whether it's your pastor in your church, whether it's a friend who's a solid believer who just has your best in, you know, your, uh, has your best in mind, um, when they warn you about things, when you're warned about stuff, you should take heed to that. Now, I'll share another story. There was a friend of ours years and years ago, uh, a good friend of mine, actually my, my best friend and I had gone over to his house because he had talked about a couple of guys he was getting together with and they were talking about theology. And he ran some stuff by us. Just, I, I don't know if he was just telling us, if he was wondering what we thought about it. But he talked about God being a duality. This is the idea that they were putting forth, the idea that uh, there's not a trinity, there's no triune nature to the person of God, but rather it was sort of a duality sort of an idea. Well, that 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 kind of struck my friend and I a little bit, and we thought, well, gosh, I mean, if, if would they be open to talking? And so we got together, went over, and talked to them all about it. Our friend was in the midst of the conversation. And thankfully, after the conversation, our friend kind of left the company of those two um, guys. They were really bent on this idea, but it was it was just biblically unsound. It wasn't right. It wasn't true. And these things matter when we talk about the nature of God. And so thankfully, to his credit, he left that behind, and he can and, and he continues to be a strong believer. As far as I know, I've, I haven't seen him now in some time, but um, but last I knew, he was walking with the Lord without walking in that error. And so, you know, it, it becomes an important thing for us as believers to... Um, as uncomfortable as it might be, uh, if we know something can be misleading and damaging to another believer's life, then we do them a favor by sharing it. Sharing it in love, speech seasoned with grace, um, speaking in wisdom, not being harsh and cruel about it. Um, I mean, granted, sometimes people are saved being pulled out of the fire and that kind of thing. I get that. Sometimes that's appropriate, and if that's your relationship with this person, then fine. But generally speaking, because it's, it's, it's the Lord's kindness that leads us to repentance, oftentimes... It's through a, a kind approach and bringing it with a genuine sense of love um, that, that oftentimes that, um, that it can be received as intended. So Paul here is giving the warning again uh, that nobody would fall for these things. Um, but rather in verse 6 he says, For though I'm absent in body, yet I'm with you in spirit, rejoicing to see your good order and the firmness of your faith in Christ. Though I'm not there in body, I'm with you in spirit. The beautiful truth of the communion of saints joined together around the world, even though we may not see each other. You and I may not have met face to face, but you and I, if you're a believer, I'm a believer. We have this beautiful uh, fellowship and even family element to us. You know, I, I, you and I have brothers and sisters who we've never met, who one day will stand around the throne with a multitude from every tribe, tongue, and nation, worshiping around the throne, arm in arm, heart to heart, and everything. And so, um, there's a beautiful thing in that that believers can enjoy, which, by the way, is another thing that tends to get ripped away by being misled uh, into false and crazy ideas. And so he says, I'm with you in spirit. I'm rejoicing to see your good order or the fact that you are growing and learning and your faith is something that is is ordered. It's it's something that is not chaotic. It's something that uh, that 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 has a, a a sensible sense to it. You're growing in a normal kind of a way. You're you're understanding things and growing. It's orderly. Uh, order is always a good thing. Uh, we see in Scripture whether it's the use of the gifts. Let all things be done decently and in order. Um, chaos and confusion are not of the Holy Spirit. 
the Bible tells us God is not the author of confusion. And so order is the opposite of that. And so to grow in a way that is natural, just like a body, you know, an infant gets the nutrients they need in the way that they get them that need them in that time. And as they get older, they move from milk to meat and then to vegetables and hard solid foods and stuff because the body naturally begins to just need those things. And so we we feed it as it is needed. Well, in the same way, we grow spiritually. Uh, there's a very uh, akin analogy there. Like it says in, in Hebrews, there's a time for milk. And then as we grow to maturity, we take on meat. And so we grow in our faith in this sense of an orderly way. Uh, as a young believer, I think I've shared before, as a young believer, I was very fortunate to have some uh, mature friends uh, who had led me to Christ. And so uh, on the one hand, it was really great because they could speak truth to me. They could teach me how to study the scriptures. It's not just give me a fish, but teach me how to fish. You know, In other words, they would share truths with me that I could understand and learn, but they also taught me how to feed myself on the word. And so there's this wonderful relationship in this. But in my immaturity, I always wanted to sort of be on that level they were at without actually getting there uh, naturally. And so, you know, we'd get into these conversations that would suddenly become deep and, and, and very meaty and that kind of thing. And I would always try to weigh in and everything with all of my uh, you know, exhaustive knowledge and wisdom that I gained in like 10 minutes of being a believer, you know. And so, you know, I, as I look back on that, I bet if I sat around with them and I said, you know, when I was a new believer and we had these conversations and stuff, can you remember any of the really stupid things I said? And they probably could come up with a laundry list because I didn't know anything. I just wanted to know things so I could sound like I was on the same level as them. Uh, well, it takes time to grow to that point. I mean, they had been believers for a bunch of years at that point. And so, you know, they had uh, spent time in the Word. They'd walked with Jesus. They had gained the experience that can only come through time and, and, uh, and, and, and learning and growing and that kind of thing. And I, I was a new believer. I hadn't gotten there yet. And so as the years went by and all that kind of thing, you know, you grow. You naturally become, um, you know, uh, just you become a mature believer over time when you apply yourself to simply growing in your faith. Well, Paul is thankful to see their good order, the fact that they're like this personally, but also the fact that as a church, you know, probably inherent in that too is the idea that they're a healthy church. There's no real correction going on in this letter, so we can sort of assume that this, this group of believers were in pretty good shape. Epaphras brought a good report of them to Paul, and Paul's thankful for this, and so he's encouraging them. But we don't really see correction in this letter, like we do the Corinthian letters uh, and that kind of thing, where there's a lot of correction. A church that uh, needed lots of correction because they weren't growing to maturity, as Paul's uh, desire for them was as well. But here he's thankful for it, their good order, and also the firmness of their faith in Jesus Christ. Uh, the firmness of their faith in Christ, the idea that they had built a solid foundation or solid foundation had been laid and now a spiritual house was being built on it. It's firm. Um, Jesus talked about that uh, in terms of their faith, uh, in terms of uh, at the end of the Sermon on the Mount, he talked about uh, the house that was built on sand and the house that was built on a rock. The storms came and crashed against both foundations. The one that was built on sand collapsed because the sand couldn't support it. It wasn't a firm foundation. Uh, great was its fall, Jesus would say. But then the house that was built on the rock stood against the storms. As everything came crashing against it, 
it stood. Well, we could certainly imagine, I think fairly, what Jesus had in mind there. Um, you know, I don't know that he necessarily, in the fullest sense, was speaking even just of salvation, but even just of the life that's built on the things that Jesus said. After all, he said there, such is the one who's, uh, who, uh, who hears the things that I say, and in the first case, doesn't do them, collapse, and in the second case, the one who hears my words and does them, the house that stands. Right? And so if we think about that in terms of just living our lives according to what Jesus taught, according to what the scriptures say, uh, we understand them in their context, obviously it's important, um, but we understand what the word teaches us and how we should live. And we find that we stand against the things that come against us, whether they be circumstances and trials, or maybe even false teaching. You know, we stand against these things because we have a firm, solid foundation. And Paul here is very thankful for the firmness of their faith, faith in Christ, the idea that it is immovable, it's unshakable, it is standing. Uh, and any foundation that is, that is going to be built to stand must be built on Christ. And the other side of that coin is when it is, we know that it will stand. And so that being said, um, uh, just a brief couple of passages of verses to look at today. We'll dive in further uh, in, the, in, in, uh, in an upcoming podcast as well. But um, my prayer, uh, and as I close in prayer, uh, my desires is the same as Paul's, that you and I uh, would find our fullness in Christ, that we'd seek out in him the fullness of the riches of the knowledge and wisdom of God, that we would find our all in all rooted completely in him, that pursuit finding its end in the person of Christ, and that we would also not be persuaded away by, by arguments that, that ultimately are deceptive but sound convincing that we would test all things by the scripture. We've quoted this before, and I'm sure I'll quote it again. Um, you know, uh, Acts 17.11, Paul, or the Holy Spirit really, um, commends the Bereans because they heard the things that Paul said, but they didn't just believe it right off the bat. They went to the scripture and compared what Paul had talked about and made sure that what he was saying lined up with what was there. And so likewise, that is our safeguard today. It's our grid. The word of God is the grid through which we filter every idea. Uh, and what does Paul say? We take every thought in, into captivity to Christ. Well, when we do that, we find ourselves thinking on those things that are true, meditating on those truths as Christ has uh, both spoken about them and as we have in the word um, throughout. And, um, and we're strong. We're fortified. We have a firm foundation. So... We'll leave it there for now. We'll pick it up again uh, soon, uh, either in the next one or an upcoming podcast. But thanks for watching. And as always, if you have any comments or questions, you're always welcome to share them uh, on our uh, YouTube channel. There's always the comment section below there. Uh, you can go to our church website and you can watch the, our Sunday morning videos there. These, these are actually posted on our YouTube page and on my personal website at parsonspad.com. But if you want to email me, you can do so both from that website, parsonspad.com, or our church website at calvarychapelfranklin.com. And uh, I encourage you to watch other videos and follow along as we go through the Word of God together. And uh, my hope again is that you would just grow strong in your faith and uh, that you would walk with Jesus and not be led in some direction that ultimately pulls you away from that completion, that fullness that is in Christ alone. So Father, we thank you and praise you for the time we've had this morning. We just pray that God, you would help us as we spend time in your Word, as we read it, meditate on it, digest it, chew on it, think about it some more, and ultimately apply it. Father, help us to enjoy the firm foundation that you're building within us. And Father, help us to uh, never allow ourselves to be led astray uh, in false, uh, false ideas and arguments and that. They may sound persuasive, but help us, 
uh, you know, like the Bereans, to check these things against the Word of God. And if something doesn't seem right, maybe you're giving us a little bit of a sense of discernment, something doesn't sound like it's biblical, that, Father, we would uh, not really rest until we've really just followed that thing through and figured it out for sure. Help us to uh, take advantage of the opportunities to be with friends and family who know you and who've walked with you for some time. I'm thankful for the friends I had growing up in the Lord early on and still have today. Uh, Father, help us to seek those out. And and when the tables are turned and and they come to us, help us to be that for them as well, that we might uh, encourage one another, that we might be knit together in our walk with you. Lord, we love you. We praise you and thank you for these things and ask that God you would help us to grow firm in our faith, strong and mature, uh, and help that just to be the continuing thing until one day we see you face to face. Let your Holy Spirit move in our lives in these ways, Father, drawing us closer to you and making us more like Jesus and helping us to grow. And it's in Jesus' name that we ask. Amen.